Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Folklands. Created, written and presented by Tim Downey and Justin Chubb. Episode 5, Pathways to Prophecy. Hello, my name's Justin Chubb, and together with my friend, fellow actor-writer Tim Downey, we're taking you out and about across the UK, delving into the country's colourful and often eerie and mysterious folklore. In today's episode, Pathways to Prophecy, Tim and I head off on four mini-missions up in Buckinghamshire, visiting the site of the unnerving death warnings at Naphill Common, with a rather spooky follow-up that happened a few days afterwards. We head to Dancer's End in Aston to find out if water really does run backwards up a certain hill. Tim continues his well-bothering at St Osith's Holy Well, and we follow recent sightings of a huge black cat to the ancient Wendover Woods. Along the way we chat about prophecies, omens, a whole host of different things, and Tim will be regaling us with some superstitions and omens from an old book he found on Lancashire folklore. But before we head off on our travels, here's a specially recorded reading from the wonderful screen actress Ruth Connell, best known for her role as Rowena in the hugely successful long-running US drama Supernatural. This reading's all about the divinations of Yorkshire prophetess, the cave-dwelling Mother Shipton. And now a word in uncouth rhyme of what shall be in future time. 
For those who live this century through, in fear and trembling, this shall do. Flee to the mountains and the dens, to bog and forest and wild fens. For storms will rage and oceans roar, when Gabriel stands on sea and shore. And as he blows his wondrous horn, old worlds die and new be born. A fiery dragon will cross the sky. Six times before this earth shall die. Mankind will tremble and frighten be for the sixth heralds in this prophecy. For seven days and seven nights, man will watch this awesome sight. The tides will rise beyond their ken to bite away the shores and then. Mountains will begin to roar and earthquakes split the plain to shore. And flooding waters rushing in will flood the lands with such a din that mankind cowers in muddy fen and snarls about his fellow men. He bears his teeth and fights and kills and secrets food in secret hills. And ugly in his fear he lies to kill marauders, thieves, and spies. Right, so now we are on our way to Knapp Hill. Knapp Hill, according to the book, is very famous for the Knapp Hill death warnings. Okay. So between 1910 and 1914, there are four of them, each one being an omen of death. And they're four very different omens for very different things. And they centre around Knapp Hill Common. Now, Knapp Hill Common is not just like a large area of land with nothing in it. It's completely forested and it's one of the biggest commons in the country. And it's quite eerie that there's barrows within it. There's an ancient dew pond and there's lots of routes and roads crisscross the woodland. So that is where we're going to go. Fantastic. So we're parked at the village hall and there's a large green in front of us. Sadly there's no jumble sale going on. That is a shame. Nice little coffee shop over there. We can't do three coffees. We can't do three, honestly. Actually, if my fourth, that's it for the weekend. I'm that's it, you'll be awake. You'll yeah. be done. We're just crossing the green. By the cricket nets. Nice little sleepy village. It's lovely, isn't it? I keep saying, turn around. Not this way. This could very easily it's be probably wrong. been hexed without a phone. Without a doubt. It's like a little dowsing twig. We better not get into all that. Well, I could try and douse our way there if the sat nav fails us. Some dog walkers have just appeared. Uh, yeah. Should we ask? Let's ask. Yeah. Let's be brave. Hi there. Hello. This is the way to the common. There's a little alleyway to your right here. Follow the alleyway down, take a left. Lovely. You'll see the woods. Thank okay. you. It's a lovely day to be exploring. It really is. So we're just going down a path between houses. Quite a few nettles and bits of mossy branch. It is extremely big, the common. Do we know where the hill is? The barrows are at the far end. Oh, okay. 
earthworks. This must be it. That's it, and there's and the, the dew pond. pond. So we just need to kind of head that way. I think so. I think so too. Okay. There's clumps of bracken, just an earth path leading into the woods. We can hear doves cooing. It's a magpie. <gasps> Only one. Past. It's very still. The place where they've had the death warnings mm. is an ancient burial chamber or an earthwork. Well, it happens all throughout this particular woodland and just off to so where all the houses were. This would be a natural route walking from West Wickham. These death warnings, first one was in 1910. A local woman collated a number of such occurrences from the late 19th century and compiled them into a book. So four standout that are traceable in the historical records. So these are real deaths that really did happen. First one concerns a farmer's son who in 1885 complained to his family that he'd suffered a nightmare in which he'd turned his own shotgun around and despite resisting, blasted himself in the chest. Dismissing this as anxiety, his father said, forget about it. But before the week was out, the farmer's son was indeed dead, having accidentally shot himself. the first one which would have happened to some of the little houses just off this common now obviously it's possible to write that off as a bit of a coincidence mm. next one though harder to explain so one evening a young village girl returning home to nap hill was very distressed and she said that on the lane she spied a small figure skipping along a wall parallel to her and she said the figure was a doll a living doll dressed in silks and satins, moving swiftly but with very jerky movements. When challenged, it ran along the wall to her mother's gate where it just vanished. <laughs> the girl's mother waved the tail away as absolutely ridiculous. The following day, her mother died. A living doll running around. That's I don't like the sound really of that. Oh, it's a jogger. That absolutely. Oh my god. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and it brings to mind the end of Dead of Night, that last yes, story it, yeah. with Hugo the doll. Oh, lost again. dog. Lost dog. That's very creepy, Tim. So the omen now takes a different form. So a Nap Hill resident known as Ralph was in his kitchen one night when he heard feet clump around up the path and up to his back door. Latch was lifted, as if whoever it was was going to come in, unannounced. So annoyed, Alf yanked the door open. But there was nobody outside. Following night, same thing happened again. Feet coming up to the door, knocking on the door, open the door, no one there. And then the following day, Alf heard that his grandfather had died. A death warning. Death warning number three. The last one 
coming in at number one. Possibly the, the eeriest. Even with the doll. <gasps> Worse than the doll. A different villager was walking home one night when he became concerned that he was being watched. Agitated, quickened his pace, but was amazed when some other person he hadn't heard approach fell into the stride alongside him. When he saw that this stranger was a mere shadow form, minus human features, obviously terrified, and ran away as fast as he could. Only for the shadow to run alongside him. On reaching his home, the villager veered away to the outhouse where the shadow went into the main house. The villager summoned a friend and they dashed to the main building together, wherein an old man was about to commit suicide. They talked him around, thus taking heed of the death omen in time to prevent a tragedy. Which maybe so, broke the curse maybe of the broke death the curse warnings. Of the death warnings of this particular ancient common woodland. Those are very creepy stories. They're creepy, aren't they? Should we go further We're in? We're going further in. I'm now worried about dolls suddenly appearing. <laughs> As if I wasn't worried enough. <laughs> now I've got that. There are plants everywhere. And there's a beautiful oak here. Huge. It's very dense. There's just dappled light coming in through the trees. So this was 1910 to 1914, did you say? Yeah, that happened over that four-year period. Which is relatively recent history, really. This particular area, these Chilterns, these wooded parts along this escarpment, have been the site of many sightings of big cats. Oh, yeah. Pumas, lynx, big animals roaming freely. We should have bought some snacks. Just throw some skittles at it. Win a lot or something. And we're going to go to... Is it Wendover? Wendover Wood, which is just on the other side of Knapp Hill. So mm. very, very close. Where there's been a very recent sighting. Three days ago. Wow. So I think we should go there. Definitely. I learned an interesting fact the other day about holly. Oh, tell me. Holly leaves are naturally flat, with no spikes. And it's only when animals eat it that it becomes spiked so that's a holly leaf it's completely it's flat absolutely right but when it becomes eaten it starts to change into the spikes isn't that strange yeah. and look at that one almost all of it completely flat and smooth you're a mine of information oh, i tell you it's not just esoteric knowledge it's... oh it's time well spent yeah Looking a bit more open and marshy here. The five ways. Ah, we've got the five ways. Certainly, there's at least five, I'd say. Okay, let's go this way. Found another very lovely quote, and it's when the poet Edward Thomas was travelling, walking the old way, and this was just before he went off to the First World War and sadly died. But he writes about walking through this common. It's quite a long quote. Have you got the breath to do it while we walk? Oh, I don't know. I tell you, I haven't got the puff. That's a, ever such a slight incline in there front. Is. So, it was dark and still in this hollowed place, and I had looked at it for some time before I heard the crying of a child and saw three children playing in the sand. Under the oak, they had dug a cave in the sand, and a black-haired boy and a fair-haired girl were carrying away little spadefuls, while the third sat still among the roots. The two workers went silently backwards and forwards. They moved gravely and without a word, and I might have thought that they were unaware of one another had they not made way for one another in their comings and goings. 
They worked as if in a dream and being moved by some unseen power. Their faces also were fixed and expressionless. Their wide, open eyes seemed to be upon something which travelled always before them and was invisible to me. They were perhaps seven years old. The other was no more than three and he took no notice of them as he sat, his face smeared with tears and sand and a paper bag upon his lap. Now and then he burst out into a fresh sobbing cry, just as suddenly, and not more loudly than the robin singing above his head. When he did this, the little girl went up to him and shook him gently and took a cherry from the paper bag and put it into her mouth. At this, he became silent again for a little, holding the cherry stone in one hand and with the other rubbing his eyes. When this cure had been tried several times and the scarlet sun had gone down out of the dull heavens, the child began to cry more steadily, and it was in vain that a cherry was put into his mouth, for he held it a little while between his lips and did not notice when it fell out, but sobbed on and on as if he saw nothing, Heard nothing, thought nothing, felt nothing, but only sobbed. I asked the little girl, what is the matter with him? He wants his mother, she said. Where does he live? I asked as I stepped towards the child, meaning to lift him up. Over there, she replied, pointing with her eyes to the house of the veranda. Then why doesn't he go home, I said, stopping still and thinking again chiefly of his house. His father is dead, said the little girl. Then they went on with their digging while I turned and saw the house looking as if it had grown suddenly old in those few moments. Old and haggard. And so cold that I shivered to think how cold it must be in the death room behind the Venetian blinds. The silence of the house and the road was like a sea suddenly expanding infinitely about me. As I turned away, the child's sob, the song of the robin, the scream of the swifts fell into that dark silence without breaking it like tears into a deep sea, and I looked at the house and saw that the soul of the dead man had entered it. Oh, my God. That's good, isn't it? Very good. Yeah. Spooky children, (laughs) horrible dolls, houses going back in time. Yep. Screams of swifts, the sounds of robins... There's some nice bird song in the background. Yes. But now it's opened up. Uh, yeah, less of a sinister feel. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had any ghostly experiences yourself? No, I haven't. I think it's through desperate want. Please let something happen. And yeah. I think they probably stay well away from that <laughs> fact. They, you know, ghosts usually appear when you least expect them. You don't walk into a house going, right, I'm going to have a ghostly experience, and it actually happened. True. But then sometimes there's a nasty atmosphere in certain places. Mm. Oh, yes. And as a child, did you spend a lot of time in nature and playing in fields and woods and things? We absolutely did. This whole Chiltern area, where I grew up, which is at the farthest end of the Chilterns, in the shadow of the Cathedral of the Chilterns, which is the All Saints Church in the village I grew up in, Shillington. You spend all your time running around the hills, the clappers. The clappers? Well, the clappers. There are the Sharpenhoe clappers, hill section, beacons, Ivanhoe beacon. Do we know why they're called the clappers? I don't know why they're called the clappers. I guess it's a very ancient name for a series of hills. There's a very large area, a little town called Barton-le-Clay, 
that has a great many hills and valleys and it's really hewn, really worn away because it's so soft. It's all chalk. And then at the end of the Chilterns, it becomes clay. So it's a very different feel to get off the chalk hills and then down into the clay foothills. Divination by dying. Dying persons, especially if they have been distinguished for piety when in health, are considered to possess for a short time the spirit of prophecy. Hence, many persons are then anxious to see them in order that they may divine the future by means of their prophetic words. They also know persons who have died before them. Persons born during twilight are supposed to be able to see spirits and to know who of their acquaintance will die next. Some say that this property also belongs to those who happen to be born exactly at 12 o'clock at night. lovely to think of having a country childhood and I wonder if that sort of experience is still something that people have really, the freedom to run around and be unsupervised and use your imagination and be part of a childish world. feels like now children are overprotected, I mean I'm guilty of the same thing. The world feels less safe. It does. But maybe in rural communities that's still maybe not the case. That myth-making that you do as a kid. Like, I will still go back to the village I grew up in and remember the history of the area through old stories or through, oh, we camped there that night and we built a fire there, we did this or we did that. I suppose now that people don't necessarily stay in their own communities, it's harder for folk tales, stories and old history to continue through generations, through oral history, because unless you're a local and you're part of a community, you maybe don't hear those stories or you don't have an affinity with the place that you're living. And things start to be forgotten. Which is why we're here, trying to capture something. Here in the dark woods, trying to find the ancient barrows. There's quite a lot of flint in the ground. Yes, a lot of flint. And the earthwork, do we know if this is sort of a burial mound? This was an ancient road and walkway, trade route. People would have brought all sorts of things up and down this road, so I imagine it would be a place of importance. We're in a darker bit of the wood and there's a ditch leaning downhill. A hollow way, if you will. Thinking of Holloway Road near my neck of the woods. Again, those names, once you start thinking about what they actually mean, presumably that was some form of trade route or ditch that was a hollow way. Most definitely. Lovely foresty smells. Hummus. Not hummus, don't get them confused. Not absolutely, don't get that confused. You can't dip a crisp into that. I have started making herbal tinctures to put in my gin and tonic. What do you do, sort of rosemary or...? You grind some dried juniper berries and then put in things like rosemary, lavender, bay leaf, a bit of thyme and that sort of thing and just simmer it for about 15 minutes, let it cool. You can add sugar to make it a kind of syrup or you can have it as a kind of bitters. It's quite nice. Oh, lovely. Which way do you think? I guess this way then we will pass that earthwork dewpond, which is in this wood, somewhere in there. I'm glad you've got some sense of direction. I suppose that period, just pre-First World War, people were feeling more vulnerable. The world was maybe changing a little bit, and 
It's interesting why it was that particular period of time that these omens happened. I think there's definitely a sense of change in the landscape, in people's minds. Something was coming. War was afoot in mainland Europe. A big thing is that if you did go, you might never see this land again. You might never walk these trails. You might never see the hornbeams or the oak or the holly in winter. You'd never see any of that again. So there was a real connection to what the memory means for you because you know that this thing is coming. Post-Second World War is when so many things change forever. Industrialisation and road building and changing the whole class system, everything. So the world changed so drastically and so quickly, really. Yeah. Two wars within a living memory and suddenly you're in the brave new world of the 50s. 1950 onwards seems so different from any older generation. Amazing time to have been alive, really. And your parents were probably a little bit younger than mine were. Born in the 40s. Oh, they were in the 40s. My dad was early 40s. We just caught the kind of tail end of that. People coming back, shell-shocked. There's a family tale of an uncle of mine who came back from the Second World War and went home and my grandmother brought in a cup of tea one morning and... As she was waking him up, startled him. So he leapt up and grabbed her by the neck and pinned her to the floor and then oh suddenly realised, this is shell shock, this is, I can't be around. You haven't remembered the sugar! Exactly. What's the matter with you? So then he took himself away. He lived on the Downs, again, part of the Chilterns. He lived there for months, in a cave. Buried himself like an ancient Anglian king, because obviously there's loads of cave systems, natural cave systems in the chalk, and he just stayed there. And then one day... About six months later, he walked in and said, Hello, Mum, I'm back. He'd leached out, maybe, the memory into the soil or something. Time on his own of not being around people, of trying to assimilate back into society again. I think this might be the dew pond. I can see a dragonfly. Yeah, it's sort of a marshy area with tufts of stringy grass. It's extremely small, but then it is very hot. Yes, and then the earthworks would be over there, flattened and reduced over time. I mean, they're very big. So, yeah, we would have caught the edges of it, walking round. My parents in the war, they were babies, really, but they were in Guernsey, and Guernsey was occupied, of course. They were both English families. My mum's side, they managed to get on the very last boat out of... Guernsey, because suddenly news came that the Germans were invading and apparently they were sort of sitting underneath a tomato crated lorry when the planes were coming over the harbour, bombing and shooting. You know, it was chaos people were trying to escape. And there was a lady sitting with them who got shot next to them before they managed to get on the boat. And then this is typical of my family <laughs> the uh, dog jumped off the boat back onto the island just when they were about to go. So my grandfather got off the boat to chase after the bloody dog (laughs) and nearly missed getting on the boat back when the dog wasn't found, unfortunately. They managed to escape, but my father's family didn't and they were, with all the rest of the English families, were taken to a German prisoner of war camp in the Black Forest in Germany. Biberak was the name of the place. So his first memories were of being in a prisoner of war camp. He said he remembered a British plane being shot down, which landed in the middle of the compound, nose down, and was just sort of left there. And 
At one point, a commandant stamped on his fingers. The women and children were in one section of the camp, but his father was in another completely different section. I think they only saw one another through a gate once a month or something. But I think after the war, you know, lots of families didn't quite know how to be with one another because they'd spent the war sort of separated. Yeah. Ever had any omens? No sort of family curses. I don't think any strange omens. Father has had a few things happen that are slightly unexplained, and he is a very straight-down-the-line Scotsman. Doesn't pay much heed to these kind of strange things, but strange things, nevertheless, do keep happening. Like? We need to know. Well, there's one incident. He says as a child who was laying in bed. This is in Dunstable, so this is in the foothills of the Chilterns again. And he heard a tapping at his window. And his room was on the second floor. So it wasn't someone standing on the ground. Maybe someone had climbed up and was tapping on the window because he had a lot of brothers and sisters. Or maybe it was one of, one of them out late and wanted to be let in. Apparently he opened the curtains and there was a t- little creature. What? Outside the window. Just kind of suspended outside the window. He was very young, so it could be imagination, could be tiredness, could be all sorts of things, but he absolutely swears blind that there was a tiny thing, like an entity or something, standing on the window, knocking to be let in. How bizarre. But, yeah, very, very strange. He absolutely swears blind. One of and the then he'll say, what, could be one of the could be one of the fae, and obviously, do not mess with the fae. Definitely don't put a road through one of their... Absolutely not. ...buildings or... Or you've had it, mate. That's it. Omens. If a cat tear at the cushion, carpets, etc. with its claws, it is considered to be a sign of wind. Hence, we say, the cat is raising the wind. If a cat, in washing its face, draw its paw quite over its forehead, it is a sign of fair weather. If not so... It betokes speedy rain. Allowing cats to sleep with you is considered very unhealthy. They are said to draw your health away. Those who play much with cats have never good health. A cat's hair is indigestible and you will die if one gets into your stomach. I always find these areas, these kind of liminal spaces, in between things so fascinating collection things are kind of run down fences and there's like old flags hung up over there and piles of wood and there's kind of echoes of humanity on the edgelands. And that is part of the folk horror thing of these slightly forgotten sleepy villages that are a little bit run down and slightly broken like the inhabitants. Yes, very much. I used to have a funny thing omens-wise when I was younger where I would be walking down the street and I'd see somebody and think, oh, that's so-and-so, somebody I knew. And then I'd get closer and think, oh, no, it's not them. And then I'd turn a corner and, sure enough, I'd see the the real person. That's very strange. The most peculiar one was I was at college and I was on foundation course with this girl and I couldn't remember her name and I was on a tube going down to do a market stall in Greenwich, which I did 
for a friend for years and years at the weekends. This person came and sat opposite and I thought, oh, that's who I was at college with. And then I realised, no, no, it's one of my usual things. It's not the person, it's somebody that looks like... I couldn't remember her name and I was thinking, oh, what was her name? Anyway, I got to Greenwich and I suddenly thought, oh, Helen. I put my stall up and then one of the first people that came into the market that day was actually Helen. It was about four years after we'd left college, hadn't thought about her, had no reason to think about her, nothing happened. But it just meant that when she turned up I could say, oh, hi, Helen, <laughs> and not have forgotten her name. That's very weird. Always best to avoid those awkward moments. Oh, yeah. I know, I know you, I know you. It's in my diary somewhere. death warnings well luckily really even though we want something spooky I could do without a death warning really yeah call you old fashioned yeah I suppose there are other omens of impending doom sometimes people see these banshee like figures washer women don't they at yes. rivers I think this might be a Scottish or Irish legend someone washing a shroud right, yeah. and I think if you look at them you might be next or someone in your family is going to die yes. maybe the advent of the washing machine stopped that happening or maybe it brought on its invention much swifter I don't want to have all these death omens whenever yeah. I want to go and get my socks done yeah, true well, Dickens in The Signalman has his death omen yes, that's a great story facing the tunnel yeah. tunnels again there is always something slightly unsettling about being enclosed in a dark yeah. space. You're suddenly trapped somewhere and there's nowhere to get away from whatever might be pursuing you. A few days after we returned from Knapp Hill, what felt like a rather sinister follow-up took place. I was at work one morning as usual when I received a call from a family member who'd just been rung by staff at my son's school to find out if I was all right. It appeared someone had phoned the college only moments earlier to inform them that my son's father had just died. I must admit, for the rest of the day, I did look over my shoulder now and then, and I took extra care crossing the road. It was truly odd. Nothing like that had ever happened before. Sadly, there was no way of finding out who, or perhaps what, had phoned the school that day. But maybe it was a warning not to treat these matters so dismissively. Anyway, let's rejoin Tim and I on the way to our next destination. <laughs> End Lane in Aston, which is very famous in motoring circles because it is where Mr. Martin tested his car and hence where the name Aston Martin comes from. Oh, of course. Aston. Font of knowledge. Font of all knowledge, <laughs> not just folklore. Motoring folklore, if you will. So how much of this area had you explored when you were a local? This 
lower end of the Chilterns, hardly anything. It was all the bits around Hertfordshire, Bedfordshire, and around there, that was my stomping ground. Because the Chilterns dip down, and then in that basin is where Luton is. And it rises again round, I think, Sharp and Hope, and that's where the Chilterns then dip down, and it ends then in Shillington. Where you grew up. Same range, but all new. But it does feel very familiar. The Hewenden Valley now, just past the sign. And was your house Flint that you grew up in? It was a little cottage, sort of wattle and daub, where my mother had her moment with yes. the man in the wardrobe. Very, very old. I lived there for about the first 15 years. We would look out of our top room windows and see the church at the top of the hill. Oh, so we were the heart of the village. Father tells a story that he was a, a young man starting out in life and uh, doing some surveying and he had to go up and look at the guttering for something and he found these kind of clumps of seeds and for some reason he just said oh I'll take a couple of those and I'll plant them and so planted these now absolutely enormous trees that are still there so as you crest the hill down into the village and if you were to see the old cottage. It's uh, dominated by these two huge trees that my father planted 50 years ago now. I remember we used to go uh, potato scrumping. That was good fun. Clawing through the earth in the middle of the night. It was very exciting, as you can imagine. Yes. Creep over the back hedge. Into the farmer's field. Into the farmer's field. Scrounge a few potatoes. Wait, my brother and I did a lot of running through sweet corn fields, which was probably very damaging for the crops. There's something very nice about having plants that go over your head. So we're in a little kind of valley part of the Chilterns. It's very pretty. It's a bit cooler now. That'll be the aircon. Okay. <laughs> I don't hold with these newfangled things. People must have known about this hill. It is an ancient hill. It has been here since time immemorial. This area must have had some mysterious things attached to it because it's such an oddity. There are so few of these types of things in the world, really. So we're talking about a hill where allegedly water will run upwards. Yes, that's exactly it. Some sort of magnetic force or something, perhaps. Well, what they say is it's an optical illusion. It will look uphill, and it's the lay of the land around it that gives you the illusion that it is going uphill, when in fact it is actually going downhill. Okay. How oh, very strange. How very strange. I've got a bottle of sparkling water. I wonder if it, that will affect... Let's find out. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online 
and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Dancers end. So we're just turning down a slightly smaller lane. National speed limit, which I find very surprising. Yeah, well, if anyone's dancing, it's going to end quickly for them if they're in the road. I'm hoping that what will happen is it will be obvious, as it will look like we're going downhill, but we're not. I think this is it. So I think at the bottom of this hill, there's a little sign, I think. So if you were to stop, you put it in neutral. (gasps) Oh my God, we are actually going backwards. We are going backwards. The car is going backwards, but it appears that it's impossible. Yeah, we should pull over. Let's get some water and have a a go at that. It appears like we're facing forwards down a steep slope, but in fact the car was rolling backwards. Yeah. I am so excited that 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 actually worked. Let's see what happens. This is the hill. You can see it going clearly uphill. So Tim's filming and he's also pouring... Some Highland Spring. Look, that water is going uphill. It's official. Thrilled. <laughs> it worked. Very excited. We should do it in the car. Goodness me, what fun. Genuinely did not think. One, we would find it, or two, that would work. Surprise, this isn't a tourist hotspot. Well, I know. Put the car in neutral. As you can see, there's the hill. It is rolling quite speedily up the hill. We're going up the hill backwards. Uh oh. <laughs> and there's a car. It'll be alright. Plenty of space, Marjorie. Come on, Marjorie, you can do it. How exciting there is that? We are. It actually worked. I'm not going for the optical illusion and believe You're going full on. Full on magic. Magic ley lines, etc. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? It is, because actually driving down into a valley. To then roll up. Brilliant. I am so excited that worked. Right, where to where to next? Lunch now. I think so. The death tick. The death tick is not yet forgotten in the district around Burnley. Very recently the insect has disturbed the imagination of a young lady and its ticks have led to more than one gloomy conjecture. It is a curious circumstance that the real death tick must only tick three times on each occasion. Lancashire, like all other counties, has its own peculiar superstitions, manners and customs which find no parallels in those of other localities. It also has, no doubt, many local observances, current opinions, old proverbs and vulgar ditties which are held and taken in common with the inhabitants of a greater extent of country, the necessary result of imperfect oral transmission. The following are a few of their local superstitions. If a person's hair, when thrown into a fire, burns brightly, it is a sure sign that the individual will live long. The brighter the flame, the longer life, and vice versa. A young person lightly stirs the fire with the poker to test the humour of a lover. If the fire blaze brightly, the lover is good-humoured. A crooked sixpence or a copper coin with a hole through is accounted a lucky coin. Cutting or paring the nails of the feet and hands on a Friday or Sunday is very unlucky. 
If a person's left ear burn or feel hot, somebody is praising the party. But if the right ear burns, then it is a sure sign that someone is speaking evil of the person. Ozis Well, very famous saint, but mainly in Essex. Oh, so this is a different Saint Ossif. Who's on holiday? Just fancied a bit of change. I don't blame him. Have you got your sample jar? Bloody bring it. Might have use your bottle. Yeah, yeah. There we go. The more familiar Saint Ossis of Essex. So there was until 1502 a shrine to the former at Aylesbury, only a mile away, also known as Upton Well. This well is close to the church and maybe the reason why the village developed here. To look for the well, walk about 30 yards from the church towards Aylesbury and turn left. And this is a very old picture where now it's been restored quite a lot. It's opened by the mayor. So I'm expecting big things for my wells. Well bothering. So it's another lovely little village. We're walking down Great Lane. It's just great. Yeah, there's an old Red Lion pub gone to rack and ruin. This probably would have been a sleepy little country mm. road at one point. It's rather busy. Oh, is that it? This is it. That okay. circular low brick structure is the well. And then apparently there's a little pump. These were healing waters. It's caged inside a brick well structure and it's a lot of pondweed. Crab apples. An old net. Don't know if you're going to get in there. No. There's a lovely pond here as well with ducks. So apparently this is all part of the same water system. So the water that would come up in the well is the same that feeds this little pond. Probably here the ducks. Ah. Oh. St. was an Anglo-Saxon princess who was born in a palace at Quarrenden in about 650 AD. When she was 14... Her father, Frithelwald, lovely name, yeah. married her to Sigihir, king of the East Saxons, and they had a son, Offa, ah, of Offa's Dyke. Dyke. She became a nun, so a good marriage, and was later <laughs> killed by Danish pirates at her convent at Chich in Essex, now called St Osseth. Her mother, Wilberger, was the Christian daughter of Penda, oh. king of Mercia. Penda, right. Fen and... Yeah. Oh. There was a story that wherever St Ossith walked, springs welled up and never went dry. From early times, the villages of Beerton depended on water from the well, and for many years the main route between Quarrenden and Broughton passed through this small piece of common land. Today, part of this route is incorporated in the Beerton Circular Walk. There are remains of a Saxon village behind St James the Great Church, which itself dates from the 13th century or earlier. A little west of here, there is an ancient moat, which is a scheduled monument. In 1642 AD, the Roundheads of Parliamentary Aylesbury fought the Cavaliers of Charles I very near this historic place, and it is said that the church and the Red Lion, which is now disused, is now disused. were used by Cromwell's troops. Let's see if this pump works. Yes. I'm not holding out much hope. Nope, it is purely decorative. Uh, Unbelievable. 
one of my favourite flowers. These are teasels. Yeah. Absolutely love them. No idea why. They're beautiful. But I think they're absolutely glorious, glorious things. And they were used in, I think it's the wool trade. They used to break these off and dry them, and they used to pull, a, pull to apart the wool. wool. Yeah, and you, they would spin them, thresh the wool, if you like, to kind of pull it apart what and detangle idea. it. Yeah, fantastic. I think they'd look lovely as a kind of just simple in a very plain vase. Yeah, no, I think they're great. We'd better not take them there, I suppose. Best not. Right, we're right. now at the duck pond rather than the holy well, but Tim is going to take a sample in the Highland Spring bottle. Here we go. got a good bottle you can transfer your water oh, into. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, I might have to invest in a few more as well. Where are you storing them? But I would like one day to get some sort of shelf. I think a special shelf. Special shelf. That's definitely the way forward. It's, an awesome th- it's nice to know she was a princess. Yes, I didn't know that. In a way, I'd quite like them to have not restored the well. It's so sort of industrial... Yeah. For something that is so natural and ancient and ancient. Why just brick it and yeah. cage it? I find that very, very strange. Who are we to decide this? It's quite. The Buckinghamshire County Council but obviously decided no. it's the way forward. Yeah. The Stonehenge as well, not being able to actually touch the stones. Mm. Of course, they will erode, but probably not for thousands of years. There was mention of Saxon remains behind the church, so we're just going to see if there's anything. Shall we see if it's open? No. You're right, I always sort of assume that we can wander into these places, but they're always locked, really, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Somebody's doing something in there. I think the Saxon remains are underneath that Barrett home, possibly. I think that's exactly where they are. It's strange, these feel that these houses have almost been built in the graveyard in between one part of the graveyard and the next so maybe they're on graves is that allowed it would have to be exhumed I imagine but some of these gravestones are very very old and ask them if they've experienced anything yeah. untoward the great mass in the pit exactly. crouching figures it was worth a look yeah. but we haven't found any Saxon remains Lots of rules about what you can and can't put on a grave. Maximum of two floral tributes. No glass containers, no brightly coloured containers, only cut flowers, seasonally appropriate silk flowers, no objects, no toys, ornaments, balloons, photographs, candles, light, no fencing, railings, chains, chippings or individual gardens. No planting, no floral tributes. The PCC reserves the right to remove any objects which are not or have ceased to be authorised under these regulations. Anyway. It's a bit strict, isn't it? It's a bit strict.
just arriving at Wendover Woods. You can go ape if you want. You can go ape? If I was a big cat, this is exactly the place I would want to be. Well, we're going to cover the whole thing. <laughs> so we... <laughs> That's it, yeah. Bloody sure we find the bloody thing. I will not leave until you have been pouring in yes. scat. We're going to look for footprints, yeah. claw marks. Everywhere I'm looking now, though. I'm half expecting to see something. <laughs> a do. little pair of glittery eyes. That's me. That'll be Justin. So you say that four days ago there was a sighting. In and around this wood, a black cat, so it could be a puma or a leopard. We could be in a lot of trouble. How fast can you run? Well, let's find out. <laughs> Isn't that the thing you're not supposed to do, or is that bears? I really should have looked this up. Yeah, I think bears, you're just supposed to stop. As soon as you run, they think, oh, great, there's some prey. I think if you shout at a bear, they don't like that, do they? I don't know if there are any specific words. They don't respond well to sarcasm. It's a very large area. It's a big wood. And are we in bucks now? Yes, we are indeed. Well, it's very heartening to see how much beautiful greenery there is still. I suppose we don't know a specific area of the wood. I would say away from people. Well, here we are. Might as well put ourselves near the exit. At least we have to run back what? from mauled quite some sort of creature. Won't make the same mistake again of taking an entire bag. Let's just go free range. Free range. Got a bit of a centre parks feel at the moment. It does. I need a little map. Okay. I don't think we're going to see big cats on the Gruffalo Trail. Should we head for the hill fort? Let's head for the hill fort. Right, we are accidentally on the Zog Trail. We can branch off a little bit. Yes, exactly. So what else do we know about big cats and sightings of beasts? We've got things like... The Beast of Beast Bodmin, of Bodmin. Very yeah. famous. But it seems now there's less and less of just saying, oh, I just saw something, and people whipping out their phone and taking a photograph of things. Yeah. So there's a lot more of it. So what was once very mythical, the idea of a big cat roaming the land, was very much sort of like, they'd be so ridiculous. and couldn't survive, etc., etc. Whereas now, everyone begins to think, maybe there. they could. Sheep, deer, there's lots of yeah. livestock to be had by a predator like that. Caves all around here, obviously with the chalk, places to hide. It's very dense, like just looking through those trees now. Something could very easily be wandering through there or perched in a tree. Not to worry you, obviously. <laughs> Hopefully they'll be as scared of us as we might be of it. going to try and circle round to where there's a hill fort. So the Ichneald Way, is that another Roman road? A pre-Roman road. It's a very ancient road from where we are, around Purton. The road kind of cuts through, so it cuts past the village I grew up in. There's lots of barrows there, tales of buried treasure in wells and in trees, buried under knolls and things like that. There's a famous story called the Knocking Knoll, which is an ancient barrow that if you get too close to it, you want to find... the the treasure that is buried within, there is a knocking from the night that sits within it to ward you off. Again, there's a lot of cave systems around here, a lot of natural hollows. That is dark in there, isn't it? It is pretty forbidding. 
Because it's a bright day, but actually inside the forest it's pretty dark still. Yeah, it really is. Another black dog, black shark creatures in this area, or Not is this so much in this part of the wood, in part of the world? Essex and Norfolk, yeah. Suffolk. Yeah. Very, very much. There's a lot more of that around there. There is one around Stevenage, but that's oh, yes. probably the only one I've heard of. A hellhound, phantomness, all that. But yeah, you get very few of them. The big cat seems to be the thing around here. I suppose Conan Doyle was drawing a bit on that legendary stuff for Hound of the Baskervilles because he was very into his supernatural interests. Is it the Cottingley fairies? Those Victorian sisters that faked. Now you look at them, you think, yeah, they're completely they're Obviously, little cutouts. Ridiculous. Because their eyeline is completely wrong as well. Oh, totally. He obviously really wanted to believe. And it was the era of seances around then and after the war. Occultism became fashionable because people had lost loved ones and wanted contact again or wanted some sign that death wasn't it because it was such a devastated country. I know my grandparents were very into going to seances and card reading and the family crystal ball. Oh, yes, your family crystal yes, balls. which yes. my uncle now has. I was a bit nervous to take it on myself because if you drop the crystal ball and break it, it's terrible bad luck, of course. Oh, I can imagine. you probably never get over that. <laughs> you never would. But my grandmother did see a couple of things. She was very down-to-earth character, very kind of stuff and nonsense, you know. Mm. It's quite small thing you could hold in one hand wrapped in a black cloth and you're supposed to warm it in your hands for quite a long time and then you lay it in the black cloth and you just have to try and let something happen she said it was like a tv interference came into the ball suddenly and then it cleared into this very vivid picture first time she saw herself in quite a strange looking room with round windows yeah. and she was wearing a big coat that she didn't recognize and then that was it suddenly there was nothing not long after this she started going out with an army officer and they had gone to visit one of his friends on a boat and it was quite cold so he'd given her his coat to wear and she suddenly looked across at these porthole windows and realized oh this is it. This wow. is what I saw. But she didn't marry him. Nothing happened. Say, oh. Nothing happened at all. I say that was the great love. That was it. Maybe it should have been. She saw one other thing again, which was quite inconsequential. Again, this image just came into the ball. She saw herself on these steps and a woman coming up to her, giving her something. She had gone to the south of France and they were outside a casino in somewhere like Monte Carlo and this woman came up to her and gave her this envelope and said, could you take this back through customs when you go back to England? I think it was pornography or something. (laughs) (laughs) But again, she just thought, this is the thing. This is it. She could have had a glittering career in pornography. But no, I I do really believe that she saw those things because they weren't particularly ghostly or... Unbelievable, and she was this very matter of fact, brusque lady, really. Ah, come to a sign. Boddington Hill Fort, Iron Age Hill Fort, covers an area of 10 hectares, about 12 football pitches. I'm glad they give that measurement, otherwise, I'd have absolutely no idea. I can only measure in football pitches. No, that's all I can do. Lived in by tribal communities, 
during the Iron and Bronze Ages, 3,000 years ago. Follow the marker post, you'll find another panel showing how the hill fort may have looked. Let's well, do it. I think, and also, this is a bit more forested. Okay. We're bound to find the cat. Bound to find it, Build houses light of straw and sticks, for then shall mighty wars be planned, and fire and sword shall sweep the land. And when the dragon's tail is gone, man forgets and smiles and carries on to apply himself. Too late, too late, for mankind has earned deserved fate. His masked smile, his false grandeur, will serve the gods their anger stir. And they will send the dragon back to light the sky, his tail will crack. Upon the earth and rend the earth, and man shall flee, king, lord, and serf. Slowly they are routed out to seek diminishing water spout, and men will die of thirst before the oceans rise to mount the shore, and lands will crack and rend anew. You think it strange? It will come true. Not every land on earth will sink, but these will wallow in stench and stink of rotting bodies of beast and man, of vegetation crisped on land. But the land that rises from the sea will be dry and clean and soft and free of mankind's dirt and therefore be the source of man's new dynasty. And those that live will ever fear the dragon's tail for many years. But time erases memory. You think it's strange, but it will be. It's drifting slowly towards dusk. There's quite a lot of literature about haunted forests, trees, Algernon Blackwood his stories about... The man who loved the trees, or the man who the trees loved. Oh, the trees loved. Yeah. yeah. And the willows. The willows. Is a very famous, slightly science fiction-y, H.P. Lovecraft-y story, isn't it? Yeah. There's a Robert Aikman story, which I'm trying to remember the name of. It might be The Hospice. This fantastic story where people are kind of wandering around a wood. Mm. It's all very mysterious. I may have the name of the story wrong. What story is it? 
that he arrives. I think it might be at a hospice or a, like an old people's home or something. They said, would you stay for dinner? And he says, oh, yes, yes, I'd love that to. That is the hospice. That is the hospice, and yeah. they're chained to the tables. And he gets bitten by something. That's right. Nothing is explained. Nothing is that explained. Was, yeah, when I first read those stories, I found them so liberating in a way because of the complete confidence in which he doesn't explain anything. So it has this dreamlike, surreal logic that it doesn't feel unsatisfying. That's probably why they live on in the memory for so long. They're very much like disturbing dreams. And then there's the sound of his horn, which is in lots of woodland. Yes. Very extraordinary. I don't know from the first reading if I picked up on the idea that the war had been won by the Germans. No, I don't think I picked that up. Apart from it being in the Black Forest, where it's set, I think it's probably just a, a cover of some cheap paperback that kind of go, oh, all right, maybe this is, this is about something else. <laughs> I did originally have a very old paperback, and now I've got my nice Tartarus That's press lovely. hardback. That's lovely. There's something physically pleasurable about a really nicely printed book mm. with a nice hardback and everything. Armchair folklorists. Yeah. Yeah. If I wanted to smoke a pipe, I think that would add to the experience. Oh, absolutely. Well, this is absolutely incredible weather. It's really hot, and there's a sort of miasma of mistiness out over the fields. It's been here all day. It hasn't burnt off. It's ideal it's kind for of a big cat. Yeah. Surely. We should maybe go in. Let's try not to get horribly lost. I'm trying to think of woodlands in film and spooky television. There's... Some great bits in yes. East, the baby episode where she yes. goes into the woods and stares into a pool and there's just a very sinister sense of being watched or followed or something. And then that quite recent American film, The Witch. When the baby goes missing and she looks to the forest and the trees are just swaying. There's an Estonian writer. I can't remember his name now. but it's, uh, There's a book called The Man Who Spoke Snakish. And there's an extraordinary image of these women of this village who are, in inverted commas, witches. And they have taken bears to be their lovers. And the bears take the women into the forest. And the women climb into the crowns of the trees and hold on as the wind whips them back and forth and the bears guard them at the base of the trees. And it's just a, such an extraordinary image mm. of these women calling to each other as the trees sway back and forth in the in the forest. Oh, yeah, that's brilliant. Should we go yeah, in? Yeah, let's go in. We're going a bit more into the actual undergrowth. Mainly beech trees. Yeah, the most prevalent on chalky ground. Oh, there's a squirrel. That's the first. <laughs> easy, easy, <laughs> easy. <laughs> I think that's an ash, which is a very witchy tree. If you're cutting branches of an ash or an elder, you're traditionally supposed to say, Lady, may I cut your branches? Because they're such witchy trees. And if you don't, woe betide you. It's very still. It's very still. I sort of want to go deeper in somehow. Should we go off the path? Yeah, let's do that. I'm just passing a, a large beach that has fallen and is completely covered in moss. 
just so people know, I am scanning the area constantly. Tim is looking like a human hawk. Primed and ready. Last time I was in an old woodland like this, I found a very extraordinary example of hen of the woods. A mushroom bracket fungus, what it actually is, grows in the trees. Edible? Completely. Absolutely delicious. Hen of the woods, because actually when you cut it up and cook it, it has the taste and texture of chicken. Wow. What colour? Yellow. And it sits quite high in trees, about the size of a football. Not three football pitches. Not three football pitches. We actually made it into a rather lovely chicken korma, and it was absolutely delicious. I mean, they're so alien fungi. I think they virtually appear overnight, don't they? They do. There's a lovely light just falling through the undergrowth here onto mossy roots and branches. Come on, big cat, we know you're here. Here's what we have to try and do, is look for carcasses. Oh yes, we're not looking enough we're for scat. We're not looking scat. enough for scat. <laughs> we need to look for... I cannot stress this enough, Justin. We yes, have please, to look for please. scat. Come on, let's focus. <laughs> it's a bonding thing, looking for scat together. Maybe just tasting a little bit of it. It's all very organic. Have you studied fungi? It was a lockdown thing with the kids looking around in the local park about what tree this is, what things are growing. Lockdown suddenly because there was no traffic, there were no planes. You became much more aware of wildlife and nature. And then when we went down to the Isle of Wight, you would then suddenly see all these things. Oh, look at this. These are hawthorn berries. You can make a jam or a ketchup out of these hawthorn berries at certain times of the year. And then the mushrooms were extraordinary, just finding these things just growing around and having the excitement of, right, we're going to have to kind of crawl up this tree and then cut it down and bring it back and then learning how to cook it. But apparently in places like Poland, to go mushroom foraging in the woods is quite a common thing. You know where you're going, you know what you're looking for. It's that knowledge that's, again, passed down. We don't have that anymore. And you're taught to fear it, really fear it. But in those parts of the world, I mean, with good reason in certain respects, but if you know what you're looking for, you've had knowledge handed down. There's a lead hanging up on that tree. Maybe that's for the cat. Could be. If you're on your own, the dark, sort of shadowy bit down there Mm. that could almost be a figure or a yeah. thing. Yeah. Big cats sleep when it's hot in the day, don't they? And mm. probably go and hunt innocent gazelles at night <laughs> by watering holes or tourists at cafes. Exactly. Pop-up bars, bistros. But you were saying you've been on safari in India. Looking for tigers in Ranthambore. And although we didn't see any, we saw footprints, scat, as has been mentioned a few times now. So I feel that's really given me an insight into the big cat big mind. cat behaviour and, and mindset. So you're in good hands. I should have cleverly hoaxed someone in a black costume to run out that at would us, have been Perfect. So did you spend time as a child running through the woods, playing games? Very much. A friend of mine owned the local farm I was at school with. She would often go up into the farm and make boats. No adult supervision whatsoever. Let's just string some oil drums together or some sheep dip (laughs) drums and just see if they're buoyant and get in them, just push that out onto the lake and just see what happens. Any fatalities? One person did put a fork through their foot. Oh! As it was a, oh, a particularly oh. harsh winter that year. Oh, no. Well, if you just go out and just, just take the ice off that lake, lifting it up oh, and down, no. chink, chink, punk, straight oh, through. Oh, no. Straight through the foot, pinning them to the ground. Oh, dear. Were you there? I was there. I was quite How uh, are you with blood? Quite, quite shocking. Well, I, it turned out I'm all right. As I'm, long as it's not yours. As long as it's not mine, I'm <laughs> a okay with it. 
the blood came from under the foot oh, no. and then kind of spilled out onto the ice. Do you remember the Dead Zone film? David Cronenberg. There's a horrible bit where someone's under the ice and he's seen it. It's going to happen. Yeah, there aren't really any woods on Guernsey. There's one little pine forest called the Get, and actually the hurricane. Almost 50% of the trees on Guernsey and in a lot of the Channel Islands got blown down. The big one in the 80s? Yeah, the big one in 87. The one that Michael Fish got wrong? Yeah. And that's when Seven Oaks in Kent became One Oak. We used to go and rehearse our band in the cinema in Seven Oaks. I've One Oak after that. Not seeing many creatures of any kind. No. Actually. You're making too much noise. Yeah, we shouldn't be talking. To... We should each take a tree, wait for things to happen. I think it might be a long. It could be a long wait. Quite a long wait. We should have got a bit of psychic help somehow. Mm. You got a pendulum on you? I left it in the car. photograph that was doing the rounds quite recently on social media of a very large animal. One of the clearest I've seen of a big cat. Usually these things are incredibly blurred or you look at it and you go, well that's obviously an Alsatian. An Alsatian in a onesie. I've just run away from a hen do. Well, I think we've probably walked over part of the hill fort. I think we've walked over most of that hill fort actually. Yeah. Waiting for the energies to come up. Disappointing, there's not even any dung. Honestly, it's when your days trying to dance around it and when you actually need it, none to be had. What else about big creatures, beasts? Well, I'm surprised at the lack of dragons in this part of the world. There's quite a lot of them in other parts. Some very famous. Welsh red dragon fighting the blue dragon or something, I think it is. But you don't get much here, which is surprising with the amount of hollows and caves. You don't get many tales of witches around these parts. It's because... Anglia and all those regions are so close to the continent, they took the witch craze first. So I guess that's also what happened in the Channel Islands. They're so close to France and the hysteria that was there. France, Spain, Spain Germany, Spanish Inquisition and all that movement. And then when it crossed the Channel, it hit that east coast quite heavily. The famous witch trials are Anglia, Norfolk, Suffolk. But then as it drifted across the country. They became less and less and less until you actually kind of get to Hereford and Wales and hardly any happened at all. But then that was the thing about the Salem witch trials is there was a lot of Suffolk, Norfolk, Essex settlers brought that with them. And then you mix that with Welsh settlers, people from Hereford who then didn't believe in that. Then they're thinking, well, obviously you're a witch then. Communication was... Very different back then, so things that were happening hundreds of miles away were probably not transmitted unless they were brought in by merchants and people visiting towns. Let's go this way, through the long grass. How are your plimsolls faring? So far, so good. I thought I'd wear a hiking boot. Well, two. So we haven't seen anything, unfortunately. Which does surprise me. We should have maybe gone into the dense area where there are no paths, probably with a tent with infrared cameras and some sort of bottle of spirits. Yep. Just waited it out. Could have been heroes, Justin. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. From hero to zero. Do you know what? I'm okay with that. Nevertheless, it's very beautiful. It's very, very large wood. Recommended for just ruminating. Forest bathing. 
wild walking. Wild I'm going walking. to claim that as a new thing. That's yours. Wild walking. None of this wild swimming nonsense. Everyone can get behind wild walking. And if a puma appears, wild running. We did get to find a 3,000-year-old hill fort. And I guess at that point it would have been an exposed hill, probably with few or no trees. Yeah, I imagine so. So yeah. a good vantage point for invading forces and for lighting votive beacons. To warn other villages. The very good uh, Alan Moore book, The Voice from the Fire, something like that, about the same area over about a thousand years. So it starts off Neolithic, tells a story and then jumps to the Iron Age. Oh, great. And then jumps to another time period and then all the way through to modern times all about the same area and the history of the area and then tell a certain little custom of something how it changes and then yeah, people kind of forgotten really well what that's about we just kind of do it now that sounds very good is that a graphic novel or a no it's a novel. novel does he not write graphic novels as oh well? yeah that's yeah. his thing so he did jerusalem about northampton and about the mythology of northampton the new one it's called illuminations Okay. on the bookcase, waiting to be read. Nice to get some new recommendations. Right, well, that may be it for Wendover Woods. We had a nice walk, but no scats, no cats. No scats or cats. Next time. Folklands was created, written and presented by Tim Downey and Justin Chubb, with music by Justin. Next time, join us for a journey into the heart of which country? But for now, thanks for listening. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.